a story of a woman that committed the ultimate betrayal. A story that seems to have been with us for as long as we can remember. But where did it come from? This is the tale of La Llorona. Stories, folklore, legends, leyendas, cuentos y más. This is a Spooky Tales. Listen, escuchen at your own risk. I'm Christina. And this is MJ. And this is another episode of A Spooky Tales. And uh, I never say this, but here at A Spooky Tales, we talk about all things spooky with a focus on Latin America. You know, if you're a new listener, welcome, welcome. Today, we are talking all about La Llorona. Yes. And we've already done one Yorona episode, but in that Yorona episode, we shared other stories, not the main Yorona stories. So, yeah. It's okay though, because I love La I love La Llorona. I almost couldn't say that. <laughs> yes, I wish the like the Americanized ver- like people who Americanize it would stop butchering it. Because yes, I have a whole I have a whole paragraph on that <laughs> in my notes. <laughs> so yeah, we will we will discuss about the Americanized version of La Llorona. <laughs> we shall. We shall drag it through the mud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but first, we do have some listener stories. And okay, so yeah, I'll read this first little short one if you want to read the next one. And then All I right. will read the other one. I don't have any personal stories, but my family used to scare the crap out of me growing up and would say she lived on Torrance Avenue over here in Chicago. <laughs> and who did not have family like that? So that was... um. Another podcaster, Eric, with a podcast called Shaken Not Scared, where they re- him and his wife, Vivi, they review horror movies. It's a very fun podcast. I, I like them. Um, but yeah, who didn't have family that did that? Yeah, I like how it's like also a very specific Torrance Avenue. Right? <laughs> like just that specific street. That's where the Yorona That's is. That's where you could find her. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, I love it. So yeah, if you want to do the next okay. one here. Next story, it says, Hi, Christina and MJ. I want to share my story about La Llorona, but I'm not sure it's exactly what you're looking for. I don't know if my memory was ever a fever dream, a slip in an alternate dimension, or just an overactive imagination. When I was a child, I lived in San, I lived in San Diego and would spend all my weekends and any holidays in Tijuana and my mama, Alicia's, my grandma's house. This is only important because this event only seemed to happen when I was at her house. Ooh. Once a year, I can't remember the exact time frame, me and my primos would sit around the TV and watch a live broadcast of La Llorona coming down from a cerro into the river. I vividly remember a giant white cross at the type of the, uh, at the top of the cerro in the pitch black. The broadcast would go on for hours, just showing the image of the cross until finally she would appear. I don't remember her ever saying, I am Isijos, but I do remember her looking very skeletal and wearing a black cloak. I remember how terrified we all were, but we always looked forward to this broadcast. When I moved to a different state and no longer visited Mama Alicia as often as I tried to find it on my own, but wasn't able to, I would ask my cousins about it and they would act like they had no idea what I was talking about. Like I said, I'm not sure why 
why to make the story, but I wanted to share it with you guys. Even if it was just my imagination, I've carried this terrifying image and memory of La Llorona with me since my early childhood. Alejandra Spooks. And she's got an awesome TikTok slash YouTube channel if you want just to just follow another fellow Latina sharing spooky stories. Um, and wow, that is fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like almost like a like it reminds me of episode of the Twilight Zone. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like it only happened in specific like place and only she has memories. And it was like a broadcast that just showed across. That's just so weird. That's like an episode of the Twilight Zone. For sure. And I would watch that episode and then be creeped Same. out later. Same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so this next one is longer. Oh, and I originally I had four. I had another story aside from this one, but it was sent to me Instagram, like a video. And then I was like, I'm going to write this down later. And then I forgot. And now it's gone because I guess it, Instagram doesn't save, doesn't let you replay these things. Oh, yeah. No, it doesn't. And- which is, it's like snapchat and i'm like that's lame so dumb i didn't know that and so unfortunately i didn't write it down and i'm sad okay so this one says hello spooky tales my name is sherlyn and i'm 15 years old and i'm from fort worth texas i've never experienced things with the paranormal but when i turned 15 weird things started happening from seeing ghosts in my house seeing ghosts in my pictures Hearing La Llorona to even sensing Vicente Fernandez's death a day before his actual death. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Uh, It was May 18th and I woke up from a nap and I decided to go chill with my mom in her room. It was around 9 p.m. When I got there, my mom asked to help fold her clothes, so I did. While folding clothes, we talked about random things and out of nowhere, I heard this light scream. I told my mom, and her response was, Estás loca, yo no escucho nada. And in English, that is, You're crazy, I don't hear anything. We went back to folding clothes, and I kept hearing them, but no matter how many times I told my mom, she didn't believe me. And one at one point, I told my mom to be quiet, and when she stayed quiet, the screaming was now clear and loud. My mom looked at me, shocked, and we we immediately went outside to check it out. When we were outside, we heard this loud woman screaming. It sounded like someone was getting murdered. I pulled out my phone and immediately started recording. It was so loud, my neighbors started coming out of their homes to check it out. I looked at my mom and told her it was La Llorona. I think it was La Llorona. My mom said it was probably an animal. She looked back at me and said, no, it's not. The screaming went on for hours and didn't stop until 12 a.m. This encounter made me terrified to go outside during nighttime. I personally still think it was La Llorona or a skinwalker. I don't know much about skinwalkers, so I don't know that they scream like that. There, there's like a few um, cryptid creatures. And honestly, like right now, like my brain goes blank. But remember that one show I was, I was like obsessively binging over. What was it called? Uh, Paranormal Caught on Camera. Well, oh, yeah. like <laughs> they had a very similar thing happen in one of the person's stories. And they actually recorded it. And it was like, I think, I want to say it's in Texas. It's always the same. It's like, it always happens in Texas. But this man, he like, his house is like right on the edge of a forest. Or like, you know, I don't I don't, I don't would you call it a forest? Whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, there was like trees and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, where, where, where like civilization ends and the wildlife and begins. And trees live. Yeah. 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 <laughs> trees live. <laughs> 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 but um so 
but he had a similar experience. And I remember that where this, him and his neighbors heard screaming for what seemed like a very long time. It was either like a matter of like, you know, several minutes, like I want to say 30 or more or like several hours, but to the point where even like in, in Texas, cause I mean, this is Texas, they pulled out their guns and started shooting at towards the forest. So, <laughs> so like they wouldn't it wouldn't like let them sleep because it was late at night i remember like the video showed it was like nighttime and stuff and i was like and it's very similar but oddly enough it also comes from texas and i can't remember what they were blaming it on they also like um i think we're blaming it on a either a skinwalker or a wendigo which i think aren't they the same i I could be wrong i feel like no i thought wendigos were like canadian indigenous well it's like what they call canada now well, Skinwalker is what, like, let me see. I got to Google this. Either way, you one know, it's of the two. Have you noticed, like, a lot of white people will, like, hear one thing and they just call that same thing the same cryptid? And it's like, what if there's just different things? I don't know. <laughs> let me see. I don't know what's the difference between a Wendigo and a Skinwalker. But I also hear that um, they do scream. Like almost like oh, okay. like they're trying so, to like lure people like oh my god someone's in danger come save them oh no now you're dead okay like that um and not to get <laughs> too far away from this story that they sent in they also sent in audio with this so I'm gonna be playing that just lower this a little bit because you know it is a scream and I don't want it to scare everyone <laughs> like all of a sudden we're talking and it's just like a scream. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of reminded me of our our the scream from the Volcan Popocatepel. Uh-huh. It's, <gasps> oh. yeah, it's most definitely screaming. And, like, it, it went on for a long time. I think they said, oh, yeah, they said hours. So, and do you remember the story from our first Llorona episode, the legend of La Llorona de San Pablo del Monte? And that's from Tlaxcala. That mm-hmm. little town from like I think it I think it's midnight until like a or is it ten PM? Every like night in October they say like Yorona is screaming after like ten PM at night because they hear screams mm-hmm. and screams and screams. So I don't know. It, and this person said that the, they heard screaming for hours, yeah, kind of like that place. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes, you know, you hear noises and you attribute stories to them. So maybe an animal does make this sound and people made this story to explain it. But it's still. (laughs) Do coyotes uh, scream or cry? I feel like they do. I want to say that they do. Like, don't Mm, coyotes make like a like a human type like noise? They could. I don't know. I don't know much about um, animals. (laughs) I don't. So. I don't know either. I kind of feel like they do because sometimes. Uh, um, but there is certainly animals that make people like sounds, and you know we hear them at night, and we're like, oh my god, because yeah. I know Cause I neighbor, would react that way. My neighbor's cats be screaming, and I'm like, oh, is that god. a person They're... or is that a cat? And no, <laughs> it's like, oh wait, no, it's it. a cat. Yeah. <laughs> cats. Um, also, I googled the difference. Skinwalker is a person who can transform or who can shapeshift into any animal while wearing its pelt. And a wendigo is like a, a spirit or a cryptid animal. So that's the okay, difference. Okay, okay. Interesting. Good to know. 
yeah, so now on to the the meat and bones of this episode. And is that a quote or did I make it up? Is that an actual saying? Is that how it goes? I feel like it's meat an actual saying, but if it, it wasn't, like it thing, is right? now. If it's, yeah, let's, it wasn't, let's get, it is let's now. get to like the um, tamales of this. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so we've shared another episode about La Llorona and we briefly went over the main legend that everyone hears and there's variations to it of course um, if you don't remember it or you don't know it for some strange reason (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna share it again so it takes place during colonial times in Mexico even though this story can be heard everywhere right not just Mexico but Mm -hmm. this is just the, the version from Mexico that all of us hear and again there's variations to it more often than not, her name is Maria, but in a lot of versions, you also never learn her name. So here it goes. Maria was a beautiful but poor young woman. She fell in love with a rich white man and they had two kids. His work would take him far away for weeks at a time, but he always returned. After a few years, the man's returns became more and more infrequent. And then one day, Maria saw him with another younger woman. In a fit of rage, she takes her children and drowns them. Once she realizes what she's done, she drowns herself. When she goes to heaven, she's met by St. Peter, who tells her you cannot enter until you collect the blood of your slain children. And this essentially curses her for eternity, to wander the land crying for her children and looking for something she can never obtain. Sometimes the versions don't include that last part. I, that's usually how I've heard it. Sometimes they don't mention that it's a rich white man, but that she's he's just rich. But the implication is that Maria herself is a mestiza or even sometimes indigenous. And the rich man is a white Mexican, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes they have two kids. Sometimes they have three. It just depends who's telling you the story and how much they want to scare you. Like my cousin was the one who told us and he specified three kids because we were three kids and he wanted to tell us like, Yorana was going to take us. So <laughs> I think that's why the stories change a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's also can like be very regional, like depending on where you're from. It's very specific to that area because they want to be like, hey, she's from here. That too, yeah. So because she's a mestiza and because the father of the children is white, this is frowned upon. So their union is frowned upon. In some versions, they're married. Other versions, they're not married. In some versions, she specifically has two sons and sometimes they're twins. There's also versions where she's washing her clothes in the river. The sons are playing and they're swept away by the current. So she's not the one who kills them. Either way, whatever version you hear, it ends up being that she's a terrible woman. She's a bad mom because either she kills her children or she's not paying attention because she's doing something else and then they lose their life, right? There's also, I think you shared a version where um, the kids are killed while she's gone by like soldiers, right? Yeah, like uh, the story that I heard was um, that, sh- you know, she she goes off into like the the town to buy supplies or whatever. And then she comes back and the soldiers had killed her children. And in her grief, she ends up killing herself, too. Yeah, they're usually all within the same same vein, slight variations. The tale is mostly associated with associated with Mexico, but you can also hear it all over Latin America, Central America, South America, and the United States, where you have a large Latina, Latino, Hispanic, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. population. That's where you'll hear it the most. So obviously, 
Texas, California, Arizona, like all these states. <laughs> and then as we start moving, then, you know, you start hearing places there too. Like our first listener who said <laughs> his cousins told them that La, La Llorona lived on this specific street, right? <laughs> I think for me, when I and why I wanted to do this episode and research a little bit more on La Llorona is like, where does the tale actually come from? Is it a pre-colonial tale or did it come from the Spanish or is it a mix? And so that's what we're going to be exploring here today, mostly and listening to spooky stories about La Llorona. Mm-hmm. Many people in especially i don't know mexico maybe and i never heard this until i started looking it up but many people will say la llorona is la malinche i i never heard of it so this is all you never, new information oh, but do you know who la malinche is i don't think so oh you should listen to monstras has a really good episode on la malinche but she is the the person it's almost like the same role pocahontas played for for na- uh, natives or indigenous people here in the United States, mm-hmm. she was basically the same type of role, but for the Mexica, and oh, okay. and when the Spaniards arrived, she was a translator. But yeah, many people say La Llorona is La Malinche, and I do not believe that. And yes, please check out Monstras epi- um Monstras podcast. They have an amazing episode where they talk about all about La Malinche. I'm just gonna do like a very brief overview on her. And of course, there's way more. This is just a very short version. But yeah, I definitely recommend that episode of their podcast. So La Malinche, her real name is unknown. She was given the name Doña Marina by the Spanish because it resembled her Nahuatl name, which was believed to be Malinali. Though some historians don't believe that this was actually her name and it was more like a title. Uh, she was mm-hmm. She has also been referred to as Malitzin de Nepal, which would translate to interpreter, like roughly translate to interpreter. She was given to Hernán Cortés in 1519, and he then gave her to one of his captains, who was named Alonso Hernández Puerto Carrero. When this captain returned to Spain, Cortés kept Malinali by his side as an interpreter because she knew Nahuatl. Uh, wait, is the language Nahuatl or Nahuatl? Nahuatl, right? Well, because when is the people... And one is the language. But they're, and I think Nahuatl is the people and Nahuatl is the language. I think not, you're right. So, yeah. I'm not entirely sure. And if I'm wrong, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think you're right, though. Yeah. So she knew Nahuatl, Chantal Maya, and perhaps even Yucatec Maya. And as well as then she, she then learned Spanish, too. So then Cortes didn't need the interpreter that he had that did Spanish Maya or something like that. So she mm-hmm. knew all three or four, even almost four languages. Wow. Uh, she had a child with Hernán Cortés named Martín Cortés. And uh, Hernán Cortés left her when she was no longer useful to him. She eventually married another Spanish man and had a daughter. And she is seen as a traitor in Mexico. It is uh, an insult if someone tells you you're being Malinchín, you're being mm-hmm. a Malinche. Um, mm-hmm. And you can hear this like... Um, I think a few years back there was like a soccer game and the one of the commentators says something about the other team and then like one of them is like, oh, eres un malinchista because he's been a traitor to the, the Mexican team and he's like said something positive about the other team, right? So oh it God. is an insult. And it's also interesting because to me, like people don't say, and I don't think Pocahontas was her real name. I think she has a different, I don't know her actual name, but um, people don't say this about her, but it's the same exact story almost. She was, 
given, you know, trafficked, you could say, um, into this other, to the colonizers. And so was, La, um, so was uh, Malinali. She didn't, you think she had a choice? You think she was choosing to yeah. betray and her especially, people? Especially like, um, and I'm pretty sure she had like a, like her role in her, in her culture was pretty like, probably next to the chief or somewhere around there. Because yes, she was the daughter of what you would consider a chief. You know that she has a high role in 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 your culture and your society, and I want you to know that I have this power over you. So I'm going to take someone important, and that's yeah. what the same thing they did with Pocahontas. Pocahontas was 14 years old. Yeah, Malinali was also young. She was not like a an adult, so she wasn't seen as a traitor until the Mexican Revolution, really. And this is partly due to the country of Mexico, you know, being largely Catholic. And um, machista. Mm. Yes. Found this thing written by a professor named Sandra Sipes. Uh, she's a professor of Latin America, Latin American history. And I forgot what university. I didn't write it down. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she says it is partly due to Catholicism that she's viewed as a traitor, much like Eve is viewed as a traitor. A famous Mexican Mexican artist depicted Cortes and Malinali as Adam and Eve during this era. And um, so that, you know, helped mm. everyone kind of see her as the Eve of the situation. But and I just um, said this, but did, Malina did Malinali really have the ability to say no in her in her um, aid to the Spanish? No, of course not. She wasn't going to she didn't have a choice. <laughs> What does this have to do with La Llorona? Well, <laughs> so she's referred to as Doña Marina. So many relate her to the Maria that we hear in the legend of La Llorona. She has two kids. And although they're not both Cortez's children, somehow in the, in the legend of La Llorona, this turned into these two kids are Cortez's children. He was going to take them back to Spain and separate them and so in order in order to avoid her children being taken by cortez to spain she killed them mm -hmm. so she in this story she's a jaded lover she she kills her children but this isn't at all true like i said both children were not cortez both children did grow up in you know what we now call mexico and he did go back to spain so and this is all like i don't know in the books like it the <laughs> She did not kill her children. But somehow this this story of her as La Llorona uh, exists. You you can find versions of it. But yeah, I don't think she's La Llorona. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. Mm -mm. So yeah, that's one person people call La Llorona. Okay, and so the um, what would be the first recorded appearance of La Llorona? According to the Florentine Codex and the Florentine Codex, and I've mentioned it before in other episodes, but this is uh, what a Spanish friar or Spanish friars, I guess you could say, um, recorded everything down. So it's all written from the perspective of, you know, the colonizers, but it, it captured a lot of indigenous history. It's all in this Florentine Codex. So in the Florentine Codex, there is a weeping woman who appeared in Tenochtitlan in 1509 and this account was collected by a friar named bernardino de saga Sa Sa <laughs> i can't say this Sa it's s-h-a-g-u-n sagun sagun Sa 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 
So it would be Sa'agun, no? Because that Sa-agun. H is Spanish, Sa-agun. so be, I don't know. Wow, I don't know. What an annoying name. <laughs> Whatever. Sa'agun. <laughs> this sounds wrong. Fuck. This guy, no anyway. <laughs> he collected all this from Nahuatl speakers around the 1550s. So this uh, weeping woman was said to be the earth goddess or goddess of fertility, Siwakowat. It was said that the people heard a weeping woman night after night. She passed by in the middle of the night, wailing and crying out in a loud voice. My children, we must flee far away from the city. At other times, she cried, my children, where shall I take you? And this is translated from English into English from Spanish, which was translated from Nahuatl to Spanish. So keep in mind, it's gone through multiple translations. <laughs> mm-hmm. Another account of this says, uh, several men have reported that near Xochimilco, Altepet, a lady dressed in white, her head covered with black hair, came out of the water with a slight murmur, which later turned into mourning. Among these who listened reported hearing the cries, Ekwe Nikokone, which means, oh, my children. And so she would say, oh, my children, where do I take you all to survive? Oh, my children. People who had seen her around there did not return at night, frightened by the mourning women. Hmm. And so this is said to be the first account of La Llorona. That feels like it's more realistic, like um, not more realistic, but more true to the origin story. Yes. In this, she's not a woman who killed her children. She is the goddess Siwakuat, and she's mourning the loss of her people. Because this is a warning sign that the colonizers are going to arrive, which I'm going to cont- I'm going to get into here in a sec. So this following thing that I wrote here, this was recorded by a Spanish man that married into Tlaxcala nobility, and um, this the Tlax oh sorry the Tlaxcala did align themselves with the Spanish. Um, we can't forget that there was you know uh, fights in between indigenous groups, and so the mm-hmm. th- Tlaxcala uh, indigenous people were uh tired of the mexica you could say yeah, so they the they mexica thinking had a very like um how could, they were like the i guess the strongest power yeah and in in their alignment with the spanish i'm sure that they did not think that they would also be subject to being terrorized right mm-hmm. they just were looking to survive as well <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah as was everyone you know so while the Mexica described omens that occurred before arriving the Spanish, the the Spanish guy um, who married into Tlaxcala nobility recorded these same omens with the Tlaxcaltecos, but he they called them wonders instead of omens. Um, this is from what this Muñoz Camargo, what he wrote down of this uh, story. So the sixth wonder was this. The people heard in the night the voice of a weeping woman who sobbed and sighed and drowned herself in tears. The woman cried, oh, my sons, we are lost. Or she cried, oh, my sons, where can I hide you? Pretty similar to the other, yeah, other things that were recorded. But uh, so who was Siwakowat? Uh, she, and this again, is a very brief overview, but she was the goddess of childbirth. She ruled over the Siwateteo. And the Siwateteo were women who died in childbirth, and they were given the same status as men that died in battle because they viewed this as the same kind mm-hmm. of sacrifice and noble act, you know? It mm-hmm. was sacred. 
So Siwakuat had long hair and she was a half woman, half snake. And her temple was completely dark with no windows and only one entrance in which one had to crawl to enter. She is considered the mother and uh, she helped Quetzalcoatl uh, create the current race of humanity by grinding up bones from their previous ages and mixing it with his blood. And this is how people came to be. I was a little confused by this. I think the goddess Guatlique, Guatlique, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I think so. Okay. I'm reading it in Spanish, so I think so. (laughs) I would just literally be sitting here repeating it like (laughs) for so long. Anyway. These things are hard. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I believe this is another name from her, but there's other things online that say that they're two separate goddesses. I'm not well versed enough to know this, but I think they're like the same. I could be very wrong, though. I don't know for sure. I, you know what we need one time is to get like a legit like theologist on here that studies um, Mexica religion. We need stuff. someone of Mexica descent who is that still too. who grew up hearing these stories. That's what we need. Yeah, because like it, it, you know, if I was a cartoon right now, I'd be having little question marks all over. My yeah, head. same. <laughs> <laughs> like just. Just imagine them popping over my head. That's me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but to this day, where they first recorded seeing Tsiwakoat uh, appear crying for her people, oh, my children, oh, my children, La Llorona is said to still be seen there crying. Hmm. You know, oh, my children, oh, my children. So is it La Llorona or is it Tsiwakoat? And uh, this this has now kind of blended into modern day stories of La Llorona, but it is still in the same area of Xochimilco. And it's worth noting. And I think next episode, we're go- I'm going to share a little more about Siwakuatz because I do want to do an episode that's specifically talking about Mexica goddesses and stuff. Um, but there is a very long story about Siwakuatz also abandoning her son, Mishkoat, the storm god. So that's just another element that kind of relates her to La Llorona, the the whole bad mom thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so she's, you know, she's seen in the same area that, that Siwakuat was seen crying. Uh, she abandoned, Siwakuat abandoned her son. So, you know, is this the origin of La Llorona? Could be, could be. Could be. But uh, you know what? I'm interested if anybody ever goes to this, uh, wh- where was this region at where they saw her? Like it's the same area with the Island of the Dolls, Xochimilco. Oh, okay. So if there's anybody who's been to Xochimilco or um, lives there and listens to our podcast, fingers crossed, I want to know, I want to hear stories. Uh, if y'all ever, like, encountered anything, like, Yorona-esque or, you know, having to do with this goddess. Because I am so curious now. I'm invested. Yes. Before colonization, there were stories of La Llorona in the form of Siwakowat, right? Like I just shared. Mm-hmm. Spain, however, did not seem to have tales of La Llorona specifically. Like there was nothing that called her La Llorona. Yeah, mm-hmm. they had banshee type stories and women mm-hmm. in white stories, but nothing called her La Llorona specifically. Mm-hmm. I know they have a, something similar called the Washerwoman. Which, that, that's the only thing that was similar with La Llorona that I found from the last episode, which was uh, that in Spain they have, they 
woman in white appear near a river, like washing their clothes, which is very yes. similar to 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 La Llorona. Always but near rivers, it. right? But that's it. Like with the screaming and the crying, that doesn't happen. The near mm-hmm. the rivers, near water, cleaning, washing, that does. But uh, uh, that's that's where the similarities end, as far as I know. Yeah, and, and again, nothing calls her La Llorona until mm-hmm. way later in time. Um, so I found a blog from the Library of Congress that states the earliest written account of La Llorona in Spain is a poem by the same title, La Llorona. It was written in 1849, and uh, this appears to be the first mention of her in Spain, at least in writing. And that specifically says La Llorona. And I'm going to share the Spanish version, and then I'm also going to share it in English, but I didn't translate this. This is from the same website, the Library of Congress, because um, trust that I cannot translate. <laughs> 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 so here's the poem in Spanish, and again, I will read it in English right after. Pálido de terror contar oía cuando era niño, yo, niño inocente, que dio la muerte un hombre en mi pueblo a su esposa Rosalía. Rosalía, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> y desde entonces en la noche, en la noche, umbría oye temblando la asustada gente, tristes quejidos de mujer doliente, quejidos como daba en su agonía. Por algún rato en su lamento cesa, más luego se desata en largo llanto, y sola por las calles atraviesa, a todos llena de mortal espanto. Y junto al río, en la tiniebla espesa, se ve llorando envuelta con su manto. I love the little rhymes here. I, yeah, I love that. Gente doliente, llanto, manto. I'll stop now. Anyway. I would have never. I would have never. No. <laughs> okay, like, and here rhymes? it is in English. What? I would have been like, what rhymes? Because I can't rhyme in Spanish. I've tried. No, me neither. I went through a phase where I did try to write poems, but they were all in English. Yeah, same. I was not a good poet, by the way. <laughs> it was a bad phase. And Neither I wish I could I. go back in time to find my little black book of poems just so I could laugh at them, but it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I found mine not too long ago, but I lost it again. So no. Who knows where it is? <laughs> Who knows where it is okay. Yeah. If I ever find it, I'm going to make it a Patreon episode where I just share my shitty poems. <laughs> If I find one, I'll do the same. Be like, Christina and MJ shitty poems. Oh my god, yeah. Um, so now this non-shitty poem, now in English. <laughs> Pale with terror, I heard it told when I was a child, an innocent child, that a bad man in my town once did to death his wife, Rosalia. And since then, in the shadowy night, the trembling, frightened people hear the sad whimpering of a suffering woman. Whimpering such as she made in her agony. For a certain time, she ceases in her lament, but she, but then she breaks out in prolonged weeping, and alone she traverses the streets. She fills everyone with mortal fear, and close by the river in the thick darkness, she goes weeping, wrapped in her cloak. <sighs> That's such a good translation. That is. That really yeah, is. It's like... Like, if I heard this alone, I would be like, wow, what a beautiful poem. Like, I wouldn't even know that it was, like, a translation. If I were to translate that, it would it would be bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, same. It would be, like, I would, I'd have, like, the word like every, like, sprinkled here and there. <laughs> Total, like, Valley Girl version. <laughs> like, she had her cloak. 
That's okay. terrible. Oh my god. <laughs> and and again, that was in eighteen. What year? I just saw it. Let me flip through my notes again. That was in. Oh my god, where are my notes? That was in. <laughs> I should number these. Fuck. Eighteen forty nine. Thank you. That was in 1849. Yes. So before that, there was no mention of La Llorona in Spain. And this is another story from Spain in 1866. And this is a a religious academic, Jose Maria Leon. Sorry, let me repeat his name. Jose Maria Leon y Dominguez. Uh, His his last name is literally Leon and Dominguez. Yes. And the word and. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's insane. Anyway, so he tells a story that he calls La Llorona, and this was told to him from an old man from Rota, Spain? Rota, España? Rota, Spain? Rota, no, is it Rota, Rota, España? Rota, Spain? I don't know. Rota, whatever. Rota, Spain. I, I don't know where that is in Spain, but somewhere in Spain. So this is the story. King, you know what's funny? I like translated uh, everything, right? And I didn't translate mm-hmm. like, like the name Pedro would be Peter in English, right? So I'm like, King Pedro the Cruel. <laughs> and I'm going to keep it like that. Like I should have ri- probably should have written King Peter, but no. <laughs> King no, Pedro. I like it like this. This is <laughs> yes, brilliant. This is better. <laughs> okay, so... King Pedro the Cruel kept an eye on villages like Rota to see if they were governed well. In those days, there was a castle there. The Castellan in charge of it was a haughty, bloodthirsty, arrogant young man who did not recognize or respect any divine or human law, who overran anyone who opposed his criminal desires. At the time, there was also a fisherman who was a widower, and he lived alone with his young and beautiful daughter, Elvira. Elvira helped her father with the fishing and the nets, and she also enjoyed festival days. When she would go to the plaza and dance, she was so beautiful that she outshone all the other young women, and so she became too prideful. When the mutilated bodies of several children were found, the Castellan was suspected of the crimes, and Elvira's father warned her to keep clear of him, but she decided that if she made the Castellan fall in love with her, that she would be elevated above her, her peers. One day, the fisherman saved the Castellan's life, and this led to a meeting between the Castellan and Elvira. A week later, there were rumors of a courtship, and a week after that, Elvira disappeared. Her father searched everywhere, eventually realizing she must have gone to the castle. So he went there himself, and he begged the Castellan to let his daughter go. From a high window in a tower, Elvira told her father that she was now the lady of the castle. And and sarcastically added that she traded his poor shack for a rich place. And this is giving me Teresa vibes. I'm sorry. That's not part of the story. I just added that. <laughs> Elvira is Teresa, Teresa now. Would, Teresa would, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> the father ran away in despair, crying that his daughter was the lady of the castle, and the people believed he was mad. The next morning, the townspeople awoke to find a gallows raised in front of the castle, 
and the Castellan hang it, hanging from it. The people believed that King Pedro had discovered the Castellan's crimes, crimes and had him hanged. Elvira became the subject of pu public ridicule and could not bear it. In despair, she threw herself in a well and drowned. From that day on, every night at 12 o'clock, she rose from the well, wandered through the streets, and entered the castle, crying and moaning all the while. And people said that the punishment that heaven had imposed on Elvira here on earth for her pride was to mourn the death of the Castellan, leaving the well of La Llorona every night. Which I had never heard before, and I was like, wow, that's a cool story. The well of La Llorona. Either. It would be a well. But then she says, you know, while she's welling, entre ser y no, y no ser yo soy. <laughs> that's what she says. <laughs> yes. That's what they hear. <laughs> like, when she, she leaves comes out the, well, the well, and every night she says, entre ser o no ser yo soy. <laughs> 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 oh my god um but this uh this king mentioned in the stories reigned in the 1300s uh king or king pedro he was a real king and the european lady european i think i said european <laughs> sorry the european lady in white stories also date back to the same time period so there's a chance that the tale of elvira and el pozo the well of La Llorona made it to Mexico and merged with the tales of the goddess Sihuacoat crying for her children. It's um, a chance that these two stories kind of merged too, you know? It could have been, yeah. This also wouldn't be the first time that the Spanish take indigenous tales, twist them into Christian values <laughs> to yeah. teach societal rules and expectations. Um, but that's between this... Yeah, that's what they do. Between this story of uh, El Pozo de la Llorona, the stories of Sihuacoat, the current stories of La Llorona, uh, water, always near water, right? I, I truly believe that the tale of La Llorona existed in uh, pre-colonial times in the form mm -hmm. of Sihuacoat, and then the Spanish arrived and maybe changed it to be what it is now. As per usual. Yes. I, I think that, I think it's a mix, a mix of both kind of like, you know, people now. <laughs> True. But yeah, I really, I really wanted to do this episode so I could find where the story comes from. <laughs> and that's my conclusion <laughs> of where the story of La Llorona comes from. <laughs> but I also did another, another little tidbit here. Uh, that I titled La Llorona and True Crime. Ooh. I also should have added a trigger warning to the beginning of this, but I will add it after because obviously this is all talking about children's deaths and murder. Murder. Because of the story, yeah, of the story of La Llorona. But, so there's a case from 1986 in Texas in which a woman named Juana Leja attempted to drown her seven children. Five children survived. She was in an extremely abusive relationship uh, and then all her family and friends were in Mexico. She had tried to escape the relationship various times, and when uh, when she did um, when she did this, the drown attempting to drown her children, and you know, two died in the process. She mm -hmm. it was supposed to be an attempt to escape the relationship. However, somehow they ended up at the lake. I don't know, but she says she had been hearing voices for days before, and when they all left in the van, uh, she had asked her husband 
for permission for them to go on a picnic. So that's what the kids thought they were doing. Juana says she didn't plan this at all. She was not in the right mind when she did this. And when interviewed by the police on why she did this, she said because she is La Llorona, which is just, you know, something tying this to La Llorona. But, I mean, her kids were so close in age. They were ranging from one year old to nine year old. And um, so they're almost all a year apart. So if there was mental illness involved and untreated postpartum depression, it can lead to psychotic breaks. And this isn't to, you know, demonize mental health and and crimes and murder, right? But so many women, especially Latin American women, uh, mental health needs, they go untreated. And postpartum depression, it truly can lead you to doing terrible things that you don't even realize you're doing, right? Yeah. So yes. um, I do believe her when she says she didn't plan to kill her children. She has received help. She didn't serve a long prison term because they, um, what's it called? It was like a plea of insanity, you know? Um mm-hmm. So she didn't receive a lot of jail time. She did go to uh, mental health, receive mental health um, treatment. She's still in contact with some of the surviving children, not all of them. But this story, especially when she said she did it because she was La Llorona, kind of fueled Llorona stories in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I don't know if you've heard of, the, you might have heard of this case, but the case of An- Andrea Yates. Uh No. Okay, also in Texas, also murdered her children during a psychotic break. Yeah, and just, you know, these are two cases that kind of people relate to La Llorona. Uh, and they both happen in Texas, where you hear a lot about La Llorona, too. Yeah, um, but, like, Texas, I feel, is, like, it It still wants to be Mexico, let's be real. <laughs> it's, like... <laughs> right. We're, you don't want to call us Mexico, but all our cryptids and shit are here. Right, yeah. Because they have everything. They have La Llorona, El, uh, ¿cómo se dice? Uh, Lechuzas, what else? Cadejos. They have everything. Probably the Wendes, too. Texas literally has everything. Uh, Texas, you have the the Rio Grande, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, La Llorona stories in that area as well. And a large population of people, you know, trying to use the river to cross. Um, Yes. Yeah, that's a very, very sad area. <sighs> but yeah, um, let me change subjects before I get depressed about people in migrant I get situations. angry. Me, uh, that's I, so I get, Why not at the migrant migrants at the? No, the no, not at them. They're trying to find a better life. Yes, I'm talking about Mex- the Mexican the- government and the United States government. They're both trash. Yes, yes, they are. Anyways. <laughs> so you can see white, I don't know, producers, American producers, taking stories from other cultures, right? And then doing okay. episodes on them, movies on them. And it's like, they kind of change it. And it, it loses its cultural significance. So you can see La Llorona appear in episode one of Supernatural. And there's like mm-hmm. this brief briefly alluded that it's La Llorona but none of the elements of La Llorona are there or they're like very minute very minimal you know Mm -hmm. 
And then obviously there's movies like The Curse of La Llorona, which I fucking hate. I've already said I hate that movie so much, but I hate I it. have not watched it and I am t- <laughs> I am, have not watched it cuz Christina told me not to watch it. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean like it's just uh, I hate it. Anyway. <laughs> I'll tell you why I hate it again. <laughs> so they change her story. They make a white woman the savior. The only cool person is El Curandero, but they also mix so many things that don't relate to each other to make him the hero, right? And they just, yeah. they just, it changes. They, ugh, it's just annoying. And then I, from what I read too, is that they added a lot of Brazilian folklore, which is, you yeah. know, not, not to, not to like shade Brazilian folklore, but like if you're going to do a story on La Llorona, it's, it's very specific to like Mesoamerica. And, and then she's the not even a ghost, really. She's more yes. like a monster in the movie. But mm-hmm. the worst thing of all is that they, spoilers if you haven't seen it, but like who gives a shit about this movie anyway. They, so there's a white social worker with a white family, right? And then she's mm-hmm. checking on a Mexican woman and her children. And she, they take the kids away from this Mexican, Mexican woman. When in reality, in the movie, she is protecting her children from La Llorona, right? So she has them in a closet to try and hide them from La Llorona. And she just needs a few more hours. And then La Llorona is going to leave her children alone, is what they do in this movie. But because the social workers come and take her kids, La Llorona then goes and finds the kids and kills them. And so then they villainize this woman, this Mexican woman, is now a villain because... They decided to kill her children in the movie instead of the white kids in the movie. <laughs> and and then they villainize this Mexican woman because she then wants to get revenge. And so she goes and she tries to... I don't know if she tries to shoot La, La, the, the social worker. So something like that happens. How was the so social like, worker not charged for the deaths of those two kids? Wait, because they were brown? Because they don't believe in and they don't believe her when she says she's protecting them, right? They believe that she's mm-hmm. abusing them. And so I'm like, how are you going to take in this tale that is basically Mexican, Latin American, right? How are you mm-hmm. going to make this woman evil and then make the white women the savior? Like, after this movie. The- and then La Llorona's well- like, she cry. She's like crying these like weird gooey black tears, and I'm like, what is this goo? What is that? Chorro? It's chorro. <laughs> I don't understand the goo. It's weird. Anyway, the movie sucks. <laughs> but <laughs> is there you- like? Do we know like the? Are there any of the people who worked on the Yorona on Twitter? So it could just be like at so and so. The Yorona sucks. I, <laughs> I don't I don't know. I'm just going <laughs> to talk shit about it here. But with these re- these movies, these shows, they they like I said, it loses the significance of La Llorona because La Llorona even if you like yeah, maybe it's looking reading too much into this legend, right? But the legend itself, it's a tale of racism, classism, and sexism. But when you change her story completely and all you do is make her kill her children and then people fear her, it loses the the significances, right? Because mm-hmm. when you look at La Llorona, you're so, like the what it's trying to teach you is like because you know some versions she's a woman that not married to the rich man, so mm-hmm. so there you're you're being punished because you're not in this lawful Catholic marriage, right? Uh, the kids are mm-hmm. illegitimate, illegitimate. 
can't speak. She wasn't supposed to be with that man because they're not of the same class because she's of a mixed race, right? So that's mm-hmm. another layer. And uh, what she's a she's a, an evil woman. So there you throw in the sexism. Like it's it, it really is all these things, even if you don't want to accept it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It goes against it's abusive towards women and towards uh, uh, indigenous or indigenous um, like indigenous descent women. But it's yeah, like a like a mestiza or mixed race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like. What for? Yeah. And it could be that, you know, um, these directors or whatever need to change her story and and focus on the horror of it instead of and on the evilness of it instead of anything else, because maybe American audiences cannot possibly comprehend what would lead her to do what she did. They can't at all understand ever <laughs> that sometimes people do things. Because, you know, there are versions of her that she doesn't kill her children, but they can't mm-hmm. share these versions because then they can't make her evil. And after, I mean, after all my reading for this episode, I'm sure it's, I'm, I feel like it's a mixed story of, it's like, it has its indigenous portions and then the Spanish came and mixed it up, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that movie sucks. Some versions of La Llorona, she's a lot more nuanced. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Either way, I I enjoyed re- I enjoyed reading all this. <laughs> this is a lot of new information, so I enjoyed listening. I was really excited to find the the that Spanish poem. I was like, "What is this?" Yes, I actually I enjoyed that a lot. I don't often like as like again, I can rhyme better in English than I ever can in Spanish. So when I see something rhyming really well. In Spanish, I'm like, yes. That's why I like, um, what's her name, Snow Snow the Product? Because I'm like, man, I want to transition yeah. so smoothly from Spanish to English like she does. How, and I try. Right? And it doesn't work. And I'm like, how, Sway? How? Teach us your ways, please. I cannot <laughs> be coherent in both Spanish and English. It's just like both languages just go poof. Yeah, same. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you want to end with your spooky story of La Llorona. Yes. So I have a spooky story and I'm going to omit names and stuff because it's people that I know. A few months ago, my grandmother, maternal, my uncle, also maternal, his wife and my uncle's friends all heard cries of La Llorona around their pueblo. My uncle, dad's brother, died a few days later due to cancer. He wasn't a good person. When my mother was pregnant with me, in the early months, she started having a miscarriage and she needed to be rushed to the ER. My uncle didn't want to help. He said no and left my mom alone to figure out the situation. Thank God she did, and I was born. He ended up being my maternal grandmother's neighbor for the past few years. They lived in a condo. And up until his passing, uh, they lived so my so the grandmother lived in one one condo and the the maternal grandmother lived in one condo and the paternal uncle lived in the 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 next one. It's okay. a little bit confusing, but just to to simplify. <laughs> yeah. So they yeah, so they each had one half of the condo. So so he was 
the maternal grandmother's neighbor up until his passing, and his home remains vacant. However, my grandmother and my aunt have heard him in his home, still washing dishes, banging pots and pans, and doing his regular routine. He appeared to... I know. He appeared to his estranged wife. They separated de- decades ago, but divorce isn't allowed in the Catholic religion. So she took care of him until his last days. And wow. he appeared to her in full apparition, begging her to pray for him as his soul is being tortured in pur- pur- purgatory. Did she say good? No. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> Same. But I don't know. She apparently she was like really scared, and yeah. he has appeared to several several family members so far. And craziest part is that many people in their pueblo keeps keep on seeing him roam around the streets. So wow. they would randomly see him still walking his routine and stuff, like you know how he used to go on his daily walks or or go to the grocery store or this that or the other and they still see him and then they turn around and they're like he's gone wow. um and it says my abuela says he's in purgatory repenting and asking for help for his tortured soul so i got an update and the the abuela still um the activity in her her part of the condo so not the the one he lived in, but her, her side is getting now activity. There's um, her kitchen, there's pots and pans falling, things flying across the room. And she thinks it's his tortured soul trying to make noise. Like, Hey, I'm still here. I'm still here. Pray for me, please pray for me. And it's it's like getting worse and worse. Wow. To the point where, um, people don't visit her house anymore so that Mm. is terrifying yeah but all this was forewarned and his death was forewarned you know too many people with like the screams of la llorona oh which is scary yeah but that is the story Wow. And uh, she's like, now she's, I feel like she's taking on a banshee-like role for, you know, for people who hear her. Like, yeah. it, it almost like, it means like a bad omen or something. Yeah. And well, if you go back to the original story of uh, Siwakuat, mm-hmm. she was a bad omen. Yes, that is true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's something there. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, do you have any spooky recommendations this week? Oh, geez. Because I do. I don't know. <laughs> okay, go, you go first. I'm trying to think. Okay, so I had another one in mind for this episode. But then I watched Train to Busan. And wow, that is now my all-time favorite zombie movie. And that is my spooky... That what? I've been wanting to see that one. Oh, my God. Do it. Do you have Amazon Prime? Yes. Okay, it's on Amazon Prime. It's also on Tubi, and it's been on Tubi for years. Tubi's free, but my problem with Tubi is that I have the app on my phone, and I couldn't get the subtitles to work. Again, because it's a Korean movie, and so you need subtitles Mm -hmm. unless you know Korean, which I don't. So I need subtitles, and I couldn't get them to work on Tubi, but Amazon Prime, they work just fine. So that's why I finally watched the movie, because it's back on Amazon Prime. Um, Oh, I'm going to watch it, but I have no one to watch it with. Is it scary? Because I can't watch it by myself. 
I don't find zombie stuff scary, so no, um, not to me. I kind of do. I have, like, zombie nightmares all the time. Okay, so, so these zombies are f- fast. They're kind of similar to the World War Z zombies in that way. Mm, have you seen World War Z? Yeah, that one wasn't that scary. <laughs> okay, okay. So. But the story is amazing. Uh, it's way better than World War Z. The zombies are fast. They're not slow walking dead zombies. The the, the Sorry, sad too. It's uh, so you know, just be warned, be ready to cry. Also, <laughs> oh, no. there's one scene though where there's like a train and the zombies are like chasing them behind, and it's just like, whoa, that scene was wild to me. I was like, wow, it's it's just it's a, an amazing movie. It's my new favorite movie. So yeah, that's my spooky recommendation. I don't know if I have a spooky recommendation, but. I was going to say something and I forgot. I do, Oh, I, for Christmas, I got, it's not really, a, and it's not in a spooky recommendation, but it's a, she's a Latin, Latina author. And I feel like I got to give shout outs to any Latina, Latino, Latinx, Latine, whatever your, mm-hmm. your preferred um, <laughs> pronouns are, you know, authors, because there's not enough. We make a very, yeah. for how big our population is and how many people we have and, in Latin America, we don't have a lot of writers. And, and you know, for those who are listening and you're like, hmm, should I write anything? Do it. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. Um, <laughs> so I got for Christmas, I Am Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter by oh, Erika El Santos. And I uh, I just started reading it. And I I didn't even know what it was about. It was just on my um, my wish list. And I got it for a surprise for Christmas. And it's it's totally different than what I thought it was about. I was like, oh, my God. It's like true crime. It's it's good. I'm trying to remember. I don't think I've read it. God, I know I've seen it, but I cannot remember if I've read it. But it's a, it's a true crime-based, like, mystery book that also entails kind of like the um, societal structures that many especially women, you know, from the main character are given in the Latin American culture. Like, you know, you can't do this. You have to be, you have to study this. You can't be like being an artist, like any kind of artist, like a painter or a writer. It's not something that your parents would encourage. Yeah. So, you know, you have to fall, both men and women have to fall in these um, very specific societal roles and have to like almost like have their entire life planned out by the parents. And basically it's like the the main character is like, no, F that. I'm not going to be what you want. I'm going to be what I want and I'm going to be true to myself. But then there's also some like true crime mixed into it. And, wow. um, and basically, so... Uh, Julia, which is the main character, um, her sister dies. Her sister Olga dies. And there's, like, this huge mystery. Like, you know, at first they thought it was, like, this accident or something. But then as she comes to find out that, holy shit, maybe there was something that caused her death or she was involved in something. So, yeah. I feel like I might have read this, but because I can't retain any information for whatever reason, I don't remember it all. So I'm going to reread it. <laughs> we will accept it as a spooky recommendation for no reason because it's not. It's spooky. true crime. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, but it's true crime. So I mean, it's and like- it's a Latina author. So yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yes. Because um, it's either that or the weekend new album, which oh my God. the concept. I, I've seen like, you tweet gonna, about it. 
<laughs> Which the concept for the album is that the per- the listener, the person who's listening to uh-huh. his album is dead. Okay, that counts as a spooky recommendation then. <laughs> okay, so so okay, so then I'm I'm also recommending the weekend's new album, which is called uh, The Dawn. Nice. <laughs> Dawn FM is what it's called. So basically, the concept is that the listener is dead. You're in a car, and they have the radio playing, and each song is like a reflection on your life. And the radio host is Jim Carrey. And he says, you know, he's like trying to, to walk you into the light, to transition you into the I'm going to listen to this. Yeah. So, but you have to listen to lyrics, the lyric. Oh, by the way, people who are really like sensitive to, um, really dark lyrics. This is not the album for you. There is uh, you know, trigger warning, there is talks of suicide, of OD, of um of drug use because uh for for those who are fans of the weekend, the weekend is a very um you know, he he struggles from depression, he struggles from suicidal thoughts. So even though his songs are really upbeat and you're like, yeah, and if you ever read the lyrics, you're like, holy shit, this is dark. Wow. And this is playing okay. on the radio. Like, so, you know, read it with the lyrics. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy because you start from the beginning. It's like, it tells like a whole story. And you start from the beginning and it's like, you. and this album starts with where, you know, he's dead. And he's like, is okay. he going to hell? Is he going to heaven? He's in purgatory and he has to transition into the afterlife. So that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, it's like a whole explanation. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) No, I love it. I love it. And then before we go, we for once we have a topic already picked for next week. So I'm gonna let everyone know what it is. Uh, We're gonna yes, yeah, we're gonna be sharing uh, creation stories from different uh, indigenous to the Mesoamericas. Yes. I'm gonna say Latin America because there's. I I, I don't think my car counts as central america mine is more south america oh that's true that's true okay it's latin america then yes um i've already started my notes sort of so i'm very excited about this this next episode i am so excited because i Mm -hmm. like on my free time i dive into um mythology stories from um indigenous people from all over the world but mostly from you know latin america because i don't know them yeah, and yeah, I I remember that hearing I don't some know of them. them. Yeah, same. Um, so yeah, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are not very familiar with them either. I do wish I could find more things written by people from these groups, but I cannot. Mm-hmm. So it's so hard. It is. And again, this is a little bringing it into manifestation that anybody who does grow up with these stories hopefully is one day willing to share and even write down so yes yeah know and we can you know spread the knowledge as mm-hmm. best as we can yeah so yeah be ready for that episode and in the meantime stay a spooky bye bye shout out to our spookies supporting us on patreon dalia martin mariela cleo rene yamaris iris ghost train and mantown charity thank you so much for your support it means the world to us spooky tales is hosted by christina and mj edited and produced by christina if you're looking for extra ways to support the show you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash spooky tales and you can also check out our patreon for bonus episodes and more 
go to espookytales.com slash support. But of course, you have our eternal gratitude for just listening. Stay spooky. Spooky.